0: Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello, and welcome to
1: the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today, Mark has brought in a special guest, and that's Victoria Finley. Mark, how are you this morning?
2: I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing fantastic.
1: Victoria, how are you?
3: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. <laughs> Mark, why did you bring Victoria in today?
2: So we brought Victoria
3: on. Victoria's been a part of
2: Boudis Financial for almost a year, nice. and we wanted to, to, uh, to introduce her on the podcast as well as talk a little bit about some of the financial planning things she's been doing. All
1: right. So what, where will we start with this?
3: Yeah. So welcome, Victoria. Thanks for having me.
2: And maybe start off with a little background on where you went to school, what you studied,
3: all right. So about a year ago, May 2018, I actually graduated from Virginia Tech and I studied financial planning. So it was perfect for this opportunity. And while while I was there, I took a bunch of different classes that uh, were obviously tied into financial planning. And that included retirement planning. There was an insurance and risk class, uh, investment planning, income tax. We also went over estate planning. And then we did a nice capstone class that put all of those classes together. And we did a comprehensive financial plan for a fictional family. So it was, it was really great and hands-on and uh, had a great time there at Virginia Tech. And now I'm here at Battles Financial and it's been a great experience so far.
2: How'd you get into uh, studying financial planning? Is it something in high school you always wanted to do or you went to college and kind of found it, found it at school?
3: I definitely uh, came across it in school at Virginia Tech. It was actually a little bit by accident. I was trying to take a different class, stumbled across this financial planning course, decided to sign up for it, and I pretty much fell in love with it. I thought it was really interesting. I didn't really hear much about this industry yet, so it was something new to explore, and I just thought it was a really great fit for what my strengths were and then also just what I was interested in
2: yeah and I know I guess financial planning as a degree in, in college it's kind of gaining popularity when when I went to school, you really didn't hear much about about it, but I know Virginia Tech has a top five program and I guess they're probably promoting it as well on on the campus and trying to to get people to study it
3: yes, definitely it's it's definitely grown a lot and uh, there were two main advisors involved and they were super hands-on. they taught a lot of the classes themselves and I just thought it was a really great track to to pursue. And like you said, it's definitely on the rise. And I believe right now there's only about 50 schools that actually offer a financial planning track within. So it's great that Virginia Tech has that. And I do see a growth within. And just even my friends at school, I was trying to encourage them if they were interested in finance or anything like that to take a look at financial planning because I thought it's such a great mix of hands-on with clients, but also using any analytical skills that a lot of people in finance have.
2: Okay. So you've been here about a year, I guess. How has the year been? And has it been what you kind of expected being at a financial advising firm compared to what you kind of thought or heard what what a financial advising, financial planning would be from from the, the school or educational background?
3: I think it's been pretty similar to kind of what I expected. Obviously, it's different when you're actually in the role rather than you know, working with a fictional family on a project. But I think it's been a really good transition for me so far, getting to meet, you know, your clients previous before me, and then also getting to know new clients. That's been one of the biggest enjoyments for myself. And uh, just, I love hearing everyone's situation and what we can do to make it better or to help them out. And I think it's been a really fun experience. And somewhat similar to what I was expecting, but obviously there's always going to be unexpected turns, but nothing too, I guess, crazy that I, that seemed so far-fetched. I would have never imagined it happening.
2: Yeah. And I, I think a, a lot of times it's it's hard for someone that we work with or someone that we initially talk to, to really comprehend or think about what is financial planning. Um, because if you've never seen it before, if you've never talked to a financial planner, financial advisor, it's hard to visualize what, what a financial plan is. And, you know, at, at the highest level, we, we promote it as, you know, we look at where you're trying to go and we paint that roadmap or put that roadmap together, uh, to, to get, to get that person there. But if, uh, you know, let's, and I know your passion is financial planning. I know a lot of the work you've done has been with financial plans. Let's, let's go over a couple of, of, uh, you know, examples of how we've helped someone, you know, really tackle a specific Problem, question, challenge that they had related to to financial planning. So, you have any good examples that you know from from that year that you've been here that we can we can look at?
3: Yeah, definitely. We've, I've got a few examples we can go over. First one I can start with is a family we were working with about uh, running an education scenario and report for them to figure out what they could afford and uh, what they needed to put away into their 529s to support uh, where their children might want to end up going to college. So for this scenario, particularly, they have three children who are about middle school age. So they've got a few more years left to save up, but they don't have all 18 years. They're not all newborn. So that was something that we had to keep in mind when we were looking at their situation. But we wanted to model what it looked like after three different schools. So we went ahead and looked at Rutgers, Syracuse, and NYU. So This family is based in New Jersey, so Rutgers was a good school to look at because of in-state tuition. And then Syracuse, uh, one of the uh, parents is an alumni from there. And then NYU is actually the most expensive school to attend. So we wanted to model it after those three to give them an idea of what it would take and how much uh, they would need to put away into those 529s for each child.
2: And when you say model it after a particular particular school, in this case, Rutgers, Syracuse, and NYU, what is it, is it our software that takes what the actual cost of those schools currently is and, and projects out what it will cost in the future?
3: Yeah. So that's what's great about our software is that it takes the cost of education or the inflation rate into consideration and projects what Let's say Rutgers is about 30000 for in-state right now. It projects what that's going to be, what the cost of Rutgers will be in about 10 years, if that's when the child is expecting to go to school. So it projects that it might be more closer to 45000 rather than 35000 which is important because you don't want to save for what the education or the, the tuition rate is right now. You want to project what it will be in the future, obviously because $10,000 is a big difference.
2: Sure. Yeah, especially when you're projecting out possibly newborns 18 18 years in the future. So when it comes to, you know, the advice we give or the recommendations we give on on saving or how much they should save, is it do, do you see more more people looking to look at at a monthly figure and kind of set up something uh, similar to like a 401k or do do ever, people ever say, "Okay, let's Save an annual lump sum or or amount like that,
3: so it really depends on the client and their situation. actually, in this situation, they were looking more at a uh, lump sum because of a year end bonus, so it really depends on how they want to handle it, but what's also really common is to just contribute a certain amount per month, so it stays on schedule and it's kind of routine as if you're paying a bill, you know you want to regulate it and you want it to be almost automatic to make make it like a regular expense. Uh, it really depends on the situation, like I said, though, because it's helpful to get that year-end bonus and just put it right away and allocate it to what the family wants to put the money towards. So in this situation, it was a lump sum. But what's also great about our software is that when we run this report, if they're ever falling short of 100% funding for... Whatever school we're projecting, it allows us to tell the client how much more they might need to contribute, either on a monthly basis or also as a lump sum. If they if they wanted to go ahead and you know they want to put away fifty thousand dollars now, could they cover that NYU cost in ten years down the road, or are they going to need to put a larger lump sum? And also, it also tells you that uh, if you wanted to pay for 100% of the child's education you can project what it would cost at a, a cheaper school if it may seem like it's out of reach
2: okay and i know one of the other miscon- misconceptions about financial planning is that once you create a plan you're you're kind of done with it and you know you can check it maybe 5 years 10 years from now but with in in this case about college planning or educational funding uh, how do we use like a, an annual education progress report to, you know, provide the client data or information to see whether they're still on track to what they wanted to to, to cover for their child's cost?
3: Well, so at Boudis Financial, we go ahead and we send out this education report to any client that has uh, 529s or is looking to cover part of or all of their uh, children's education once a year. And so it gives them a good idea of if they're on track of what their goal is, because as we said before, everyone's situation is different and their goals are different. So it helps give them an idea of if they're in the, on the right path. And again, back to those different scenarios or situations of what they can do of adding uh, more money on a monthly basis or an alum sum to these 529s or whatever uh, investment strategy they may be using. To give them an idea of what needs to be done to reach their goal.
2: Okay. And what about other other examples? Anything else where you, you've in the past year you've seen us you know add value for a specific question or problem that someone's had?
3: So for another client, we actually uh, went ahead and looked at a gap analysis for their life insurance needs. And with this client specifically, they just had another child, so they went from one child to two children. And they wanted to make sure that in case anything were to happen, uh, they would their children and the spouse would be covered. So we went ahead and ran that life insurance gap analysis, and it was it's a really great report because it goes ahead and shows you know they might have one million dollars right now in coverage, but now that they're adding another child and living expenses are going to go up, or whatever the situation may be. Uh, Now they might need 1.5 million so that we might need to go ahead and increase what their coverage is. And it gives them an idea of if they're properly protected or not.
2: So this kind of falls under the same, you know, financial planning is not a, you know, one time and done where this client uh, initially did have life insurance, life insurance. However, they were adding to the family, increasing expenses and, you know, wanted to see should they purchase additional insurance or, or not.
3: Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be necessarily just a child is added to the family. Any form of dependent or if you're getting married and maybe one spouse is going to step down from their job or just an increase in income or expenses, it can completely change what your situation is. So anytime there is some form of a life change, it's important to go back and take a look at what might might need to be updated, which in this example uh, life insurance is always really important when you have people depending on you to live, basically. So simple as that, it's always good to revisit anything like life insurance.
2: And so does the, the analysis, does it actually report or spit out a specific number that says you are underinsured, overinsured by a certain amount, or you're right on and you have enough insurance?
3: Correct. So if it is spot on, it will just say you've you're sufficiently covered. But if you are Underinsured, it will go ahead and tell you that you need to increase it by X amount. So, for example, if they're short of a million, it will say you have a million coverage. Uh, you have you currently have a million dollars worth of coverage in life insurance, but you need to increase that by one million so that you have a total of two million.
2: Okay. And what what about a uh, okay? So, Victoria, you have a, another example we can go over.
3: Yes. Yeah, so, there's another example we can talk about. How is how effects of retirement. And obviously so many different things can affect retirement. But in this situation, we had a client come to us and ask us what her retirement would look like after she wanted to go ahead and give $13,000 to each of her two grandchildren. And that $13,000 would be for college education expenses. So it would be for four years for each child or grandchild, sorry. And uh, this particular client is actually already retired. So this could really drastically change her situation. So it was really important to see if she could pretty much afford this and be able to gift as much as she was hoping to.
2: So this this falls on, I guess uh, this actually has a couple of financial planning topics because one, we have the, the grandkids education and how this $13,000 a year helps cover their costs second it's our our client and will they still be able to not run out of money and and gift their their grandkids money and then the third is the estate planning aspect of it of you know something we always promote of one of the best you know estate planning tactics of of gifting so it it kind of hits a couple of different areas i think
3: yeah definitely and that just goes to show how it all kind of is intertwined together whether or not you think this might just be affecting her retirement in reality it goes back to their education, and then also, as you said, estate planning. So luckily for her, it didn't impact her too much. She was still going to be able to make sure all of her uh, investments and all of her money would last her for the rest of her life. But let's say, for example, that we realized she was going to run out of money by the time she turned 85. And that's that's a big change right there. What is she going to do when she reaches 85? So That's why this planning is so important because she might think, oh, $13,000 a year. I think I can afford that. When realistically, she would be out of money at 85. And we would go ahead and take a look at something like this and maybe say, we know you really want to make sure that you are helping your grandchildren out with their education expenses, but $10,000 per grandchild might be a little bit more realistic than $13,000. Because even though it's a $3,000 Three thousand dollars different for each grandchild, right there. That's six thousand, and then you project that over four years for each of them. It, it really can add up, especially with inflation when that comes into hand as well.
2: So, is the software sophisticated enough that we c- you can kind of look on the fly and see what the difference between if it was thirteen thousand per year or ten thousand or five thousand or twenty thousand will it show what the impact of of our client running out of money, if we we you know let's say we have her in front of of you know with us in front of the the software, can we show her on the fly what the change, what the impact of the change would be?
3: Yes, so we can do it immediately, even if we only had it planned out to show her that thirteen thousand. We can easily just modify or replicate what we did and change that thirteen thousand to, like you said, ten thousand or maybe seven thousand or five thousand, whatever that number may be. Or what if? she wanted to increase that she realized she could afford that 13,000 you know she wanted to make that annual gift of 15,000 instead you know make a change and and see if she could afford that or if she couldn't afford that and let's say that this was her top goal and it was a top priority for her and originally let's say that she wasn't going to be able to afford this $13,000 a year we can go ahead and maybe go look at her living expenses and see if there's anything that she could reduce just in the meantime to help make up for those extra few dollars that she could put towards this education expense for her grandchildren. Okay. Yeah.
2: So those are a couple of great examples. I think one of my favorite ones that we did recently was help someone look at, uh, they were thinking of moving or relocating the family from New Jersey to Colorado and they wanted to see what the impact was because the their incomes were going to change as well as their expenses they had to look at what type of house they could afford and you know we really helped them kind of piece all that together and help them make that decision on whether financially they they wanted to move or could move or or not obviously there's a lot you know aside from financial that comes into relocating across the country but um, you know planning is definitely a way to to at least uh, help someone visualize or help someone make that make that decision so I know these were a couple of examples of, you know, specific examples. And we often, you know, when we start an engagement, we like to do kind of what we call that holistic financial plan and kind of go through everything that someone is doing. But a lot of times these specific one offs will come come up during an engagement, or it could be, you know, years after we generate, you know, generate this financial plan. So, you know, it really just comes back to that. There's, there's always some type of financial planning decision that needs to be made. And, you know, we're, we're always trying to, to help someone, you know, at least get the data, the right data in front of them to make that, make that decision. So what's next for you?
3: So next up for me is I'm actually going to be sitting for the CFP exam in November. So I mean, how many months out is that now at this point? It's kind of creeping up, I guess. But yeah, so a few months from now, which will be exciting in a way, but nerve wracking also (laughs) at the same time. So it'll be good, you know, fingers crossed for the CFP exam. It's definitely a long exam and it's a lot of time and effort, but it's something really important to me. And I think that it's really beneficial to have that behind my name.
2: Okay. So what what else besides the, is there anything else besides the exam that goes into getting that CFP designation? Any other requirements?
3: So, one of the main requirements is actually the education part, and luckily for me, like I said before, I I graduated from Virginia Tech and I studied financial planning, so you need to have a financial planning education background, not just specifically or broadly finance or anything like that. You have to go ahead and take those courses I was naming before such as for example, retirement planning or the insurance classes and estate planning and a few more. But uh, So that's one of the requirements. And then also there's a work requirement. So you have to have experience as well. Uh, The experience does not have to be met before the exam is taken. So one of the things that must be met before you take and sit for the CFP exam is the education portion. So Like I said, luckily for myself, I have that already done and I can, which allows me to sit for the exam sooner than uh, if I had gotten my bachelor's degree in another subject, I would have to go ahead and take these classes somewhere else.
2: Okay. So it definitely should be a fun, exciting, and challenging next couple of months studying for the exam. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you, Victoria, for being here.
3: Thanks for having me. This was a great experience. (laughs) All
2: right. So for those of you listening, uh, we have an upcoming or our next couple of uh, podcasts that we're doing are going to be on small business uh, financial planning. So we have different guests coming in to talk about topics like uh, how to value your business, succession planning. Uh, We have uh, an episode that we're going to focus on just a growth strategy using a a popular tactic called profit first. Uh, We'll go through all kinds of operational human resource topics like Uh, hiring, what type of insurance is necessary, benefits to offer your employees. And then finally, we'll also have a CPA on to talk about some of the new tax changes, how they impact small, specifically small business. And one question that uh, continually comes up to me is what type of, uh, what type of uh, entity should I form for my small business? Or should I change the entity that I have for my small business? Meaning should I be an LLC, an S corp, a C corp? And which makes more, you know, the most sense. So we'll have our CPA on and he'll, he'll address that one as well.
1: Mark, that sounds fantastic. I am excited about the small business series coming up. Uh, how many podcasts do you think that's going to be? What are we going to do? We're two, three, at, five, uh, Actually
2: four to five, definitely not 17,
1: four, four but, not but seven definitely seven. more <laughs> than
0: two.
1: All right. Just, just checking. All right. Four to five on small business. So if you are a small business owner or thinking about it, um, definitely tune in for those. And Victoria, thank you so much for being here. You are a great guest. Mark grilled you. I mean, he, <laughs> he was all about what is going on. Um, and I'm not going to let up either. I have a couple questions if that's okay, or at least one. It's my favorite question to ask guests. Are you ready? Yes. Tell the audience one thing that most people don't know about you. Mark talked all about business, and I, I'm just going to give them just a personal glimpse of who Victoria is at her core or something just just diabolical secret well it doesn't have to be diabolical diabolical
3: <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have to
1: be it doesn't have to be like that but what's one thing that the audience probably doesn't know about you
3: can this just be like a fun fact or does of it have course. to be yes okay.
1: yes yes uh, my fun fact when I was asked was I've eaten cat before
3: you have eaten so, oh wow
1: yeah, I yeah. I mean, not just a stray or my neighbors scatter or anything. I'm not creepy. <laughs> that was, it was down in Paraguay, and anyway, okay. we'll go into that story later.
3: Well, yeah. I guess on the topic of food, I, I really enjoy cooking, but I'm no, uh, I'm no, I'm not. You're not going to catch me on Chopped or anything crazy like that. But that's where <laughs> I actually it's a stress reliever for me. Believe it or not, you can find me in the kitchen almost every day after work, cooking up a meal for my family. So
1: nice, nice. What's your favorite thing to cook?
3: Probably any. Any form of pasta, I, I'm oh. obsessed with pasta. Any type of sauce, any noodle you give me, I'm, I'll make something with it. So I think it's fun to play around with it.
1: Yeah, I I, I love spaghetti. That's my go-to. My my wife is an amazing cook. She cooks almost everything for us. I'm allowed to use the barbecue, and <laughs> then I also am, am in charge of spaghetti because that's that's my baby. I'll I'll take about six hours to cook a good pot of spaghetti. Yay. It's fantastic. You
3: can't so. go wrong with it
1: definitely not. Mark, thank you so much for bringing Victoria in. Uh, Everybody can meet Victoria if you uh, go to Mark's office. Mark, how do they get a hold of you if they want to ask Victoria more personal questions like that? Sure. Or business.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, our phone number is 862-205-5800. Also, if you go to our website, bowtisfinancial.com, there is a link where uh, anyone can schedule a free consultation with us.
1: Nice, nice, nice. All right. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Baudis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, especially this business series he's doing, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Baudis Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every
0: day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast.